What the hell is this? Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host Oscar Fuchs. We're back. Happy Chinese New Year to everyone who celebrated it. Unfortunately, this doesn't quite include me. I have been trying to deal with the problem of the Instagram account for the podcast. The original one got mysteriously deleted. Then I set up a new account, and then that one got deleted. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of all of that. So for now, please see the images from today's episode on Facebook, WeChat, or Patreon if you're a supporter there. A big thanks to Mark Gupilan for being the first Patreon supporter shoutout in the Year of the Ox. I really appreciate you and the 94 other Patreon supporters too. Apart from the Instagram drama, I spent most of the New Year period in the hell that was writing my master's thesis, which for me meant three weeks of total paralysis, followed by one week of blind panic. But it's more or less done now, so I can finally get back to releasing some more episodes, including today's, which is a special one because it was recorded outside of Shanghai, in a small village near Hangzhou, at the home of my guest Yovana Zhang. You'll notice, therefore, that the sound quality is a little different to the episodes that I record in the studio, and I also think it took a little longer than usual to get warmed up. But give it some time; I promise it's worth it, especially as we build up to an epic Chinese New Year story in part two of our conversation. So let's get started. So I'm with Yovana Zhang, and your title is I'm designer. Yeah, in our studio we don't use、uh, design directors,、uh, titles, and anything. Our name card is just Yovana Zhang, and I'm designer. Okay, I want to play you this. This is a recording of someone who you will know. Yovana and her husband Lei, the people at the Rong Design Library, are fascinating. They have created this incredible kind of archive of. Chinese design, and it's absolutely phenomenal. So that was our mutual friend Noah from season one. Oh yes, thanks so, to Noah. <laughs> so how do you know Noah? What's the relationship? We met、uh, several years ago. He he came、uh, to take a photo of our first library, and then、uh, his wife Maggie came here as our residence guest designer. So we we know know each other for quite a while. Okay, and before we go any further, what is the object that you have brought that, in some way, describes your life? It's umbrella. It's a handmade bamboo umbrella. It, it's a it's a part of the actually、uh, heritage of this area. It's a Yuhang paper umbrella. Thank you for bringing it in. I I should say thank you, but you haven't gone very far. It's just from your studio here in the village, right? Right, right. It's a、uh, it's locally made.、Uh, actually, it's from Pinyao. Pinyao is、uh, another small village just around the corner here. Ten years ago, it is a, a, a first object that we were researching as a part of design research of the craft research in in this area.、Uh, it's a、uh, five people, and we kind of hired them for a few months so they could teach us how to make an umbrella. Particularly, this umbrella, which which we have today, is made by the master's grandson. So this is really really nice story. Right, and is it actually a rain umbrella or it's a sun umbrella? It's a rain umbrella. It's it's the book says the Yuhang 
Oil, paper, umbrella, not afraid of wind and rain. Say. What do you mean by Yuhang? Can you explain that? Yuhang is an area. So it's it's an ancient area. And it has something about, I think, 5,000 years of history. It's a, it's area that is uh, covering something from Hangzhou to Shanghai. So it's it's really large area. And um, Yuhang town is very close to us. So we were firstly trying to research this Yuhang area. Okay, and this leads me to discuss what you are doing here. So what does the umbrella mean in terms of the connection with your life today? Uh, it means uh, uh, a lot, actually. It's, it's really a revolution in a designing way. It also means philosophy for, for our studio and me. We figure out there is about 70 or more steps to make one umbrella it's not very easy you have to cut bamboo in a certain uh, time it has to be a certain age then you have to treat it so we thought oh my god it's going to disappear these guys were making a 25,000 pieces per year but now only 25 so why well, it's a pity let's let's do something with this umbrella so uh, and while we were doing that in the same time we had a exhibition in Milan that uh, it was going to happen in uh, that that year April and uh, we were probably somewhere around December already already in that time and then we 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 had idea let's let's make a paper chair uh, use the same craft as umbrella so this is the beginning of our revolution so can you explain what you mean by an umbrella became a chair you basically used the same craft techniques that you made the umbrella to make a chair Right, but not all the crafts of the umbrella, just the certain ones. So we, we decided to go for a layering. Uh, when you have a, a umbrella bones made of bamboo, you cut the paper, prepare the paper, you have a, some kind of glue and you are putting them around over the top of the bones. But uh, we use the mold of the chair, which we, we made it before, and and we just uh, start gluing these papers over and over and trying to, to create a surface with the paper. And uh, after it's dried, the seat was actually solid enough so it can uh, provide a person sitting in, in there. So it's not something that we created, uh, uh, invented, no, no, but uh, the idea was revolutionary in, in our mind because it's changed the way we think of uh, some objects. It would be a, a waste of time to trying to improve this umbrella till perfection because it simply doesn't belong in a modern people uh, accessory. Uh, it's heavy, it's breakable, it's not very reliable. You, you need umbrella that is uh, easy to fold, uh, you need umbrella that is light. How to save the craft is not by making this thing better quality, it, it is by giving them another life. So this is the philosophy that uh, came with Umbrella to us. Great. And you said that you have now advanced that philosophy. What other things have you used this philosophy with? We use a lot of uh, inspiration uh, from the uh, silk, from the porcelain, from the wood, from, from actually whatever we touch. It is, it is come from somewhere. And in every our project, we use a... Uh, uh, some kind of craft that, that we kind of change like uh, now it is already in our practice that that when we think of design we think of in a craft way 
And I think this is just a matter of repetition that, that we, we went through so many times to ask ourselves, okay, what this material wants to be? Does We, we don't want to force uh, this material to be something that he doesn't want to become, but what is naturally his uh, uh, best use of. And that sounds like the same process that in ancient China they would have done as well. They would have seen the material and then worked out how to purpose it in a way that it wants to be, right? Yes, this is exactly the thing. Uh, and and just we, we know the ma- materials maybe a little bit more than before. We know their characteristics. We can uh, have a better quality of them. And then I- it's really interesting for me. And we're mentioning objects. So let's go into the objects that you have collected because what you've done here with this library that you've put together is what I find the most fascinating. So tell me about the wrong design library. We uh, lay, actually Lay was uh, crazy about the libraries. He was always uh, wanting to have a library. And I should jump in. Who is Lay? Lay is my partner, uh, one of the co-founder and he's my husband as well. So the library is uh, uh, something that we curated at the beginning. It started as a very small research for our own sake, for our own uh, studio. But there was a a few events that lead this library to become a library. That Milan exhibition, which we were nominated for award, and then we won that award for Salone Satellite. And after that, there was a Yuhang government that came to us and said oh wow great you won award so now let us give you some budget so you can do on the next exhibition and the uh, next research and then Hanjo government did the same thing uh, we were a little bit puzzled what to do with all this money and wow. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even approach them they came to you they came to us wow. but i should say that two three years before when we were approaching them asking 10 times less money they were just a uh, yeah. <laughs> blow us away <laughs> right and so, back then so j- just because you've mentioned it back then you had just started a design studio you were you were already setting up in Hangzhou right yeah we were already set up and the uh, uh, design studio was there because Lei already had this studio but they were not doing furniture so when uh, Chris and me came to China we kind of remodified the <laughs> the, the practice of the studio you mentioned Chris there so who is Chris Chris is our third partner. He is uh, uh, from Germany and uh, we all met in Milan and we came to China. Okay, so we have Lei from China. We have Chris from Germany. And you, Jovano, where are you from? I'm from Serbia. (laughs) I'm from Belgrade. Okay, so let's go back. (laughs) Okay, so we came back with uh, both sponsorship of uh, Hangzhou government and Yuhan government. And we started the two projects. One is called uh, Handmade in Hangzhou. Uh, which is Chinese name is Rong, which is Rong Design Library. Ah, right. Huh? And another one is called From Yuhang, because this is in Yuhang. Uh, we had a, a conversation with the, both of the governments who said, okay, we're going to sponsor you for renting uh, this uh, space and renovating it and uh, blah, blah, blah. And this is how we, we kind of started the library. So what actually is the library? The library is a, a material base of uh, Chinese craft, but the objects are deconstructed to the, to the steps. We categorize them with the paper, lacquer, metal, uh, weaving, textile, silk, uh, and so on. So now materials what we have collected are really a lot. And 
they include the whole China. We've been in any province. We, we make a research before and then we go there and uh, in a one week or two weeks time we, we cover the whole province and then go back with the samples, uh, with the telephone numbers of the craftsmen, with uh, information, how can you get there, how can you basically all kind of information that you you can collect from one material documented filmed and and so on right and then if you have a project then you can go through this library and see if there's any crafts that you can link to a certain project and then you go back to the original people that you met in that province and then you make the connection sure that's 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 the logic if we can find the good project for uh, each of these materials then they not necessarily needs to die. They can just go on the same as the as a uh, umbrella studio that that continues. So we try to get the library very busy with uh, research, with uh, um, a lot of projects going on, and then we are doing a ping pong all, all the time. So 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 the library can be a, a just a energetic and alive still. Right. Because it's not there to be like a museum, it's there to be used and it's there to be contributing to craft work in China. Yes, yes, exactly. So we don't want it to, to just uh, stay there and uh, collect the dust, these things. So we want them people to touch them, to make them dirty, to break them and to, to feel these materials. Right. And you mentioned that you've collected these things from around China. Can you think of a few examples, uh, ones that you, I guess, find the most precious or has the best memories for you? <laughs> uh, well, best memory for sure is Xinjiang. That 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 place was crazy. There was a, a shoes made of leather for the desert. There was a um, a blanket that was supposed to be colorful blanket made of a camel wool. Uh, there was a ikat uh, fabrics. Uh, ikat fabrics are silk fabrics that are firstly yarn is. Uh, died and then the pattern is made that is a a crazy crazy lobotomy to understand i he <laughs> showed me five times i didn't get it how he still do it <laughs> and then uh, there was a tiles the muslim kind of tiles uh, for the houses were really nice that 3d yeah right, that right. Yeah, a lot a lot so but we didn't find everyone this is the thing some of them in a meanwhile disappeared because we, we were not fast enough, I guess. Right. So you do your research, you figure out what you're trying to find, you make some connections, but then you don't know until you go there. Yes. Right. Yeah. What about a different part? So, you know, can you paint me a picture about another part of China through its objects? Well, Xi'an was a nice place with the shadow puppets. Uh, we, we did use them for the one window display for Hermes and the, 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 we, we had a craftsman daughter uh, came to our studio to help. So that was a collaboration with Hermes, right? The French company, you said. Yes. Uh, well, it's not collaboration. It's a window we designed for the, their window display for already seven years. So uh -huh. four, four times a year, seven years, it's a lot of windows, lots of materials. And we try to have... A, each time a new material to offer. And so with that example then, what was the end result? Well, it was beautiful. I think this was my, one of my best windows I made uh, in that time. It's, it's really nice. It's, it was, I think, two, two three years ago. Um, it's called the body language. So the shadow puppets were completely 3D and they were a human size, even larger uh, people who were, who were forming a letter. 
and and then it would form the whole world in one window and and if the shop has five windows then it would be a sentence uh, so so it was it was nice this is where i'm trying to put you into some kind of compartment because you are very hard to compartment <laughs> compartmentalize <laughs> mental i heard the mental <laughs> you are curating all these crafts you are yourself in design but then is it furniture is it interior i find it quite hard to know what to call you in fact you just designer as i said yeah. <laughs> just designer i i can do design i designed this oven here from siberia right <laughs> not, not anything and so what is the ultimate goal then of the library itself? So the goal of the library is not only to be close to the craftsmen, but also to see its experiment. Um, we felt naturally that moving to the village with the library is better choice, that we are more focusing to the customer and the people who really want to come for us, not really passing by. And then, by the way, okay, let's, let's stop to see a little bit of the tour of, 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 of one library and then go out and, and nothing. Mm, and then another thing is to see how does the village kids react on growing up with, with the thought that craft is not something that is to be shame of. Being a craftsman in China is often used as a, I don't know, rude or like you want to insult somebody or you want to say you're so low level. Right, it's like a low status thing. Yeah, but, but see Japan, uh, it's a national treasure. Uh, so this is something that is really important to us. And, and we want to see that uh, the, the, in a village you have our grandmothers and you have our grand, grandkids. No, no, no middle, middle people. So we are the only middle-aged people that, that's buzzing around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are living the life that I think people are talking about more and more, where young people who have roles that aren't necessarily location-specific, you know, your clients are anywhere from Beijing to Paris, but you can choose to move it to a location here. You can get the advantages of living a life close to nature. And you can also give back to this area which has had depopulation, right? I mean, I, I see all those things working in concert. Yeah, it's worked very well. We, we hosted so many uh, uh, interesting people in here coming from all around the world. So it's, it's really not a bother for them to, to come all over here. And actually, they, they love to come for a few times, several times, staying more and longer. There was a one moment that we also thought, okay, uh, maybe we are going to bring a green school from Bali, John Hardy School in here. So John Hardy was our guest for, I don't know, 10 times. I drive him in a, with my three-wheel car around the village. It's really wild. He's a, he's a, he's a serious guy. And uh, <laughs> I'm driving him with my three-wheel car around, as well as uh, bringing the Eames from, uh, from the, the grandson of, of the e famous Eames family. Really? He came yeah. here? Yeah, oh, in my, in my three-wheel car as well <laughs> it's uh and the, the 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 one of the founder of the memphis uh, also was here as a, yeah it's a wild group around here it's a really fun well i mean if i think about those people they must have many meetings in swanky fancy uber designed buildings yeah. surely for them it's special right yeah 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 and then they come here and uh, they can't feel more relaxed because it's so relaxing here you yeah i should say <laughs> at this point that I just came here myself. This is my first time in the village. And I'm quite relaxed because Jovana kindly gave me some Serbian spirits with my <laughs> lunch. 
which I don't usually drink at all at lunch, <laughs> but this is a really strong... What, what's it called? Uh, dunya vacha. <laughs> dunya vacha. <laughs> but, I mean, you're right. I mean, immediately leaving Hangzhou and then going into the hills, already you feel so much more relaxed. And then now just being in your very, like, homely room, you can't help forget the big city. Yeah, yeah, it's it's forgotten so fast. We thought it's going to be a, a difficult transition and uh, we wanted to move. Like, you know, you have this urge, oh, yes, 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 move, 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 move. And, and then suddenly when there was this point, okay, let's move. And I was, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But then when it happened, I found out that uh, the discomfort zone is much better than what I, the comfort zone I had in a city. Right, because how long had you lived in Hangzhou before you moved here? Uh, for p- good eight years, but uh, yeah, it was best uh, choice ever. Yeah. And so now you have your first boy, so congratulations. Thank you. I've met him, Mango, he's very cute. You've now got responsibilities, you've now got this place set up. What do you see when you look into your crystal ball about five, ten years in the future? <laughs> Why? I have no idea, actually. Um, the goal is that you feel happy about each day of your life. That That's the really important thing. And that the projects that we work are are making us uh, better, right? It's just uh, easy going. Hmm. Yeah, don't put too much pressure on. Yeah, yeah, it's already perfect, really. You know, it's, it's already uh, even more than what we imagined uh, uh, what will happen with this library. A challenge is to keep the the people here uh, because it's a village. Uh, the people are young; they want to live in a city and stuff. This is one of the challenge, but it's not the biggest challenge. It's 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 right. Yeah, interesting. Well, you've found your home here, and it's certainly a beautiful home. So, thank you very much for having me here. Thank you, thank you, and uh, welcome. Well, let's move on to part two. Here we go. Question one. What is your favorite China-related fact? A fascinating thing about China for me is uh, the length of the history. Is that the guys didn't change even the, the writing since the ancient time. It's a persistence on Chinese way. It's fascinating for me. And of course, that's one of the things that draws you to what you do today, right? Mm, probably, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. Do you have a favorite phrase in Mandarin? <laughs> That's your favorite. <laughs> Must be. <laughs> now, do you know why I'm reacting like that? <laughs> why? No. Because Noah, who was the one who referred to you, <laughs> that's his least favorite. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> because he didn't understand them yet. <laughs> so tell me why that's your favorite. <laughs> because everything is chabudo. Everything, everything is... I must say that it was pissing me off in beginning because it's just something you get is not good enough which something you were hoping to get, everything. But if you have it other way around, then it's a bless. I agree. What is your favorite destination within China? I really love Yellow Mountain. I really love that area there. Mm. That, that would be some place that Bishan that we visited so many times it's uh, our friends they have a, a beautiful hotel there in the middle of the fields it was an old oil factory before really really nice yeah. wow mm. if you left China what would you miss the most and what would you miss the least the least I would miss the summer in here and the wetness and the wet 
foggy area. Yeah, that I, w- I would not miss at all. That's very specific to this part of China, right? Yeah, uh, very, very much. Especially Hanzhou, which we saw the air, how the air circulates. It comes from Beijing, the one wind, and from uh, Shanghai, another wind. And they all finish in a, in a West Lake and, and become a little swirl, uh, in just like a dumpling in here, steaming ourselves. And then what would you miss the most? I would miss the vegetables, the, the range of the vegetables. Mm. Yeah, can you talk about that? Cabbages, uh, seasonal, uh, Maodo is very nice, chukwe too, and lobo, um, um, lobo is my favorite. I, I go there to dig lobo in, in the winter time, it's so nice. Yeah. Because there are some vegetables here, I look at a supermarket, I've got no idea what it is. Yeah, 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 that's, that's it, I that's it. It's just to have a lot of vegetables which we, which we don't have in Europe, and it's such a pity, it's really nice. Even some part of the flowers and the tree, you know that, that tree you can eat, that xiangchun uh, shu. You see it nowhere else. It's just really nice. Great. Is there anything that still surprises you about life in China? I might say less and less. No, not so much anymore. I already saw quite a yeah, number. I can, I can say one, st- one very short story. That was the, my biggest uh, shock of cultural China. Is, uh, it was a, a spring festival a few years ago. We, we are eating in a Lay's parents' home in, in, in Yuhang in, in Hangzhou. And uh, his family from Tianjin visiting. Uh, it's his uh, Lay's sister, uh, Lay's mom, a brother with wife and, and their daughter. So it's like a three generation. And then suddenly we are, we are eating. It's like Beijing noodles. I just sit to eat I want to put the thing in my mouth and then the kid who was like about three years old he suddenly she said I need a and then three of them the the mother uh, the grandma and grandpa run to the kid take off her panties and trousers and let her in the middle of the living room and I was like what the hell is this and the toilet is just a two meter beside Wow. Yeah. You don't see that so much. After that, not so many things surprises me anymore. (laughs) Here's an interesting one for somebody who lives in the village. Where is your favorite place to go out, to (laughs) eat or drink or hang out? (laughs) (laughs) Is there actually a place in the village that you can go to? There is one. A mad monkey. Okay. So by default, does that mean that's your favorite? Or would you basically drive the hour to Hangzhou to go somewhere? I, I now I would not drive anywhere to go hang out somewhere because I have a kid and it's it's impossible to plan the trips. But before, yes, yeah. And if it's really really emergency for some like a sweet, then I would send late to go to Hangzhou <laughs> to buy it and to bring it. Up. What is the best or worst purchase you have made in China? Oh, worst purchase is all over my Taobao stuff. Is that a yeah a, a range of garbage? Uh, best purchase in China would definitely be uh, an apartment. That, that's that's crazy purchase, right? That's that's really nice purchase. Great. Yeah. What's your favorite WeChat sticker? Have you sent it? Yes. Oh, okay. Explain what this one is. Uh, this is uh, so typical. I even don't know is it my favorite, but I really love it. This action of the government guy hitting the table while the tea <laughs> is going up. <laughs> it's really brilliant. Oh, I love this one. I always use it and I think I must have got it from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. What is your go-to song to sing at KTV? Mm, because I don't do singing, I, I really don't know how to sing. So it's going to be ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and I always sing it in duet with somebody. 
Nice. And finally, what other China-related media or sources of information do you rely on? No, it's going to be books. It's going to be books about crafts. Is there a particular series that you follow? Uh, there is a very nice series from uh, the the research of uh, Hua Yun-sung that um, amazing, amazing uh, design. He's designing them by himself. It's, it's really incredible sense of uh, uh, research, uh, humor and uh, all together in, in at once. Well, maybe he is the written version of what you are doing in real life with the library. I can see the connection there. That's well, that, that, that's a flattery. <laughs> And finally, I have to ask you, who would you recommend that I interview for the next season of Mosaic of China? Um, I am uh, uh, suggesting that you talk with uh, Haoru. Uh, he is an architect. Uh, he's based in Hanzhou. And, and uh, he's doing a lot of things that always involve with us as well, uh, that with bamboo uh, structure, architecture. I think he he's, has a lot of things to say about uh, uh, architecture of, of China. Great. I can't wait to meet Haoru. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you. Having said my thanks to Yovana, I should also do the same now to her husband, Lei. I crashed their whole family routine for a day, and they couldn't have been nicer hosts. A quick apology to them both as well, because I forgot to mention the name of their design studio, which is Pianwu. If you want to visit them at the Wrong Design Library, it's located in Qingshansun, which is a pretty little village to the northwest of Hangzhou. You can find the spelling of that in the transcript for this episode at mosaicofchina.com. And while you're there, why not follow the link to become the 100th Patreon supporter who gets to hear the full premium version of these interviews. Here are some clips from today's. It's not very easy to actually kidnap the one uh, craftsman <laughs> for uh, one month. <laughs> we did that with uh, kites from Weifang. These are silk kites, I guess. No, it's paper. We brought the craftsmen from China to Paris to do a carving on a concept car which we designed for Peugeot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why. It's such a brilliant idea. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> Life didn't work out like that this year, did it? Yeah. And I was pissed for that. Just a quick note on the Chinese phrase traveled war, which Giovanna mentioned. It's amazing how this one phrase expresses the difference between her and Noah from episode 9 of season 1 so clearly. It describes the energy that Yovana uses to get things done versus Noah's perfectionism which can be crippling if left unchecked. I see myself as somewhere in the middle, so I found myself thinking about this phrase traveled war very often while writing my thesis. Please also listen to Season 1, Episode 28 with Lysanthia Taylor to hear her amazing Australian translation of the phrase. There are some really good images to check out this week. There's Jovana's object, the umbrella, and then the chairs she helped to design that used some of the same paper layering techniques. There's of course her favourite WeChat sticker. Then there are photos of the library, of the founders, of their trip to Xinjiang, of the Hermes window display, some of them and the other locals buzzing around the village, and also some of my own time in the village too. Mosaic of China is me, Oscar Fuchs, with artwork by Denny Newell. 
I would have loved to include a catch-up chat with Noah Sheldon now, since he was the one who nominated Yovano from season 1, but he never gets back to me, and in the end I simply gave up trying. <laughs> so instead, there is a catch-up with the lovely Roz Coleman from season 1, episode 22, right after this. Hello, Roz. Hello, Oscar. <laughs> You're a sight for sore eyes because actually when we did our recording, you were basically in your last few weeks in China and then off you went and I haven't seen you since. So true. After I left you, I just went traveling for four months to be able to see where I'd been living for three years, like around China, Philippines and then Vietnam and then Cambodia I went and took a 10-day silent meditation retreat in Myanmar. Went from there to Sri Lanka, Nepal, Bhutan, blah, blah, blah. And then I was back in London, what, three months uh, before we could sort of see corona coming over the horizon. And um, yeah, I think we started to work remotely probably sooner than everyone else because all my Chinese friends kept being like, are you okay? Keep safe, keep distance, wear a mask and everything. Don't listen to your government and herd immunity, everything. And um, I'm still working for Punch Drunk, but, you know, we were basically locked down by February. And then the weirdest thing happened, which is that my sister was supposed to be going to work for MSF, but she came via London, got trapped with us as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I wanted to interrupt you quickly because people who are listening to this episode might not have heard your episode, so don't really know what the hell it is that you were doing in China. So I should say that you were the international company manager of sleep no more here in Shanghai, right? That's right, for I guess two and a half, three years. Right. The interesting thing about Sleep No More is that it was immersive theatre, where people are very close together, and we discussed that in our episode. So what has happened to immersive theatre <laughs> during the coronavirus era? It's an amazing thing to be able to say that it's still rolling. The shows, wow. there have, of course, had to be Amendments, not least, because anybody who left that Chinese New Year to go on holiday or to see family, a lot of them weren't able to come back into town. Mm. And two of the remaining rehearsal directors were able to train up a, a much more local company in a very short period of time. They were needing to sterilise everything in the building and really up the cleaning of everything. And they pulled out every trick in the book, really. And I often think that because theatre is so used to telling people what to do or gently guiding people in the right direction, that it's actually one of the best place industries to, you know, roll out some of those um, infection prevention procedures. But it's that will people feel comfortable being back in the space? And we were just amazed to discover that, yeah, the audience were really happy to come back. Well, let's pivot because I want to talk about all the things that you taught me. The concept of Shanghai flow, for example, there aren't many days where I don't think about that. Now that you are outside of China, living your life in London, or at least now a version of your life, do you also reflect on Shanghai flow? And are there any equivalents that you've seen in London? That's such a lovely question. I remember when I was still in Shanghai, one of the company members saying to me, I went on the tube when I went back home, he was visiting his mother. And it was so hectic and it was so aggressive and I really missed China. And at that time I thought, what's he talking about? But when I got back to 
Liverpool Street, you know, a year or so later, I reflected he was totally right. It's not the Shanghai flow style by any stretch of the imagination, but people are just mardy on public transport. <laughs> <laughs> mardy? Can you explain to people not from the UK what mardy means? Oh yeah, sure thing. Sorry, such a colloquialism. Mardy is like a more humorous, less harsh version of grumpy, maybe. <laughs> well explained. Very nice. But what's been super interesting has been the way in which people are giving way a lot more. It feels a lot less fraught on the roads. People have more patience. And that's definitely true for the street. Like, we're really missing uh, entrances and exits, I think, for greeting friends. And so I have some friends who give each other like a deep, long bow of respect when they arrive to a meeting or other friends who sort of do a little dance of cuddling themselves, like to signify, I wish I could cuddle you, but I can't, so I'll cuddle myself. Um, mm. And those sort of acts of grace and understanding and patience are, that kind of reminds me of Shanghai in a way. Wow, this is where I'm slightly out of my depth because we're not really comparing your life in China to your life in London. It's really comparing life in London before and life in London now and whatever life in London will be later. It's uh, almost beyond the scope of, of this podcast right now, isn't it? So true. And I feel like we really can't predict how it's going to go for like a few generations. Mm. Well, you did give me a great referral for season two. Sadly, that referral didn't work out, but I did find a nice replacement. So you will still be part of the future seasons and there'll still be some kind of connection. But I wanted to say, you know, thank you again for our original interview. I, I learned a lot about general life in Shanghai from you that I otherwise would not have learned, including, I must say, the best description of experiencing karaoke in Asia uh, out of anyone in the series. So thank you again for being part of this project, Roz. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy and it's really kept me company, you know, through all this lockdown, being able to hear how everyone's going and staying up to date with the podcast and how it's been moving through the year. And I think, especially as we moved into these extraordinary times, just such a useful comrade in arms of like, how is the other side of the world doing? It's felt like a very magic portal into a place I really miss. So that's super nice. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. And we will have you back as soon as you can come back. Oh, thanks. I look forward to it. <laughs>